Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium in Maine podcast. My name is Justin Rowe, and I am joined today by my co-host, Michael Spath. It is Thursday, Thursday, January 7th. It seems like the... It's been uh, a week. It has been, it's a week. It's been a heck of a week uh, with, you know, everything going on in the world and in... Uh, you know, in sports and just in life, it feels like these are, you know, they call them the dog days of August, right? But for people up here in the Midwest and in Michigan, it's kind of the dog days of January and February where you don't know what time it is because it gets dark <laughs> at 4 p.m. And um, everything else, it's just uh, it's a, a formula for, uh, you know, just kind of confusion, I guess. And, and uh, you know what, the other thing too, and I don't, we can get into the full thing later on, but it seems like Groundhog Day with the whole Jim Harbaugh situation because oh. of the same thing going on every single day for now going on months, right? And so it's just- Well, that's uh, actually, no, Justin, let's, let's, let's start there. I know we we're going to start with basketball. We we're going to start with the positive. Uh, we'll get into our little, a little game of basketball, the hyperbole. But let's just get the, the elephant out of the room. Uh, you know, here we are. I, I mean, people who are – who I don't want to say are necessarily Jim's friends, but that have been not necessarily even confidants, but like someone like John Bacon, for instance. John Bacon was one of the uh, – one of probably two or three people in the Michigan media market that were uh, – that, that had the scoop on Jim Harbaugh coming to Michigan in 2014-15. Um, he's been someone that uh, is from Ann Arbor, grew up, uh, you know, I think we're going to the, either the same, you know, I think he went to Pioneer the same time Jim Harbaugh did. Again, I don't know if he counts himself as a friend of Jim Harbaugh, but he certainly counts himself as like more than just like a random member of the media. Right. And here's John Bacon on Twitter, um, you know, jokingly so, because certainly there's a lot of serious things that have gone on in our country. But here's John Bacon calling it hostage day crisis number 35. <laughs> You know, like I follow a lot of Michigan accounts, as do you, Justin. You, you know, you guys run blue by 90. I mean, there's, there's Wolverine Corner, there's Wolverine Digest, there's Wolverine this, this, and this. There's LG Hale, there's guys from MGO Block. I mean, there's so many accounts. And like, it's gotten to the point, Superfan, Michigan Superfan, who is the guy who wears the cape and the mask and looks like Batman. Mm -hmm. It's gotten to the point where I don't know how much you've paid attention, but it seems like since Monday, 
everybody on social media, and I know that social media is not the end all be all, but everybody's like mocking Jim Harbaugh and Michigan now. Like it's, it's, it's just poking fun at the fact that like this contract negotiation has extended even further. Now there's some reports that, Oh, it'll be settled by next Monday where people are making fun of that and being like, Hey, you know what? Here it is though. I think I saw this was age LG Hale who, I don't know who LG Hale is, but he's got, you know, 40,000 Twitter followers from that. And he's like, Hey, it's the year 2050. We're still waiting for Jim Harbaugh to sign his contracts. I mean, people are just mocking it. So like, and it's, everybody's in on the joke and everybody thinks that Michigan and the contract situation and the football program is a joke. And it's also leading to now we're starting to see some of the effects of like other coaches, other coordinators going other places, Justin. It's been, I mean, again, we've showed and and told you, you all our frustrations with the whole situation. And it's now where I'm, I am part of that group. That's like, kind of joking about it because it's that ridiculous. Uh, And so it's one of these things where it's like, I'm kind of indifferent at what happens at this point, just something, let something happen. And so we've said that for the past couple of weeks now, but we're still to this point where, you know, we're to this point where I believe those contracts are up for the uh, six or seven of the assistants on the 11th. And it doesn't seem like there's anything in, uh, in sight here for, something to be done but um it's just I, I i truly don't understand for me the what what really hit me was when arizona today uh announced that don brown oh, was right. going to be their new defensive coordinator and michigan never announced that he was no longer their defensive coordinator mm-hmm. so the time it just doesn't make sense to me and some i think isaiah hole pointed out that well michigan uh never announces that they are uh parting ways with a coach Okay, maybe that's true. I, I, ha- I haven't watched it enough to know yes or no there. Um, but why? Why can't they come out and get in front of a story? Why does Bruce Feldman have to be the guy that's, uh, that's breaking Michigan's news? You know, it just doesn't make sense to me from a PR standpoint uh, why you would want to go, go about it that way and not get in front of a, a story there. And, um, you know, you, I saw you joking about it, I think, with a couple people on Twitter as well um, about, you know, the, the rule of not making a one-day story in a, into a two-day two story. Well, how many days are we at? This is a, a month-long plus story, and it's gotten worse every day. And now, you know, we were we have talked about the repercussions of what's been happening and delaying this, and why it, it is negatively affecting Michigan. We're seeing it in real time right now with Derek Mason uh, reportedly signing with Auburn, which w- was a, a big target for Michigan. And so, um, it's just still well, frustrating and, for yeah. for us and for fans. And you just don't know. Um, there's no reason, real true reason why that as far as we see. Well, and, and let's put some things into context. And so uh, Ward Manuel said, I don't know, it was, it was the week of the Ohio State game or right around then because it was the last time that we've actually um, you know, seen Michigan and, and we've seen anybody speak to the media. And it was because they were uh, going through COVID protocols and there was discussion of the game being canceled and it eventually was canceled. Uh, and Ward at the time said, you know, repeatedly, well, this is not the time and place to discuss Jim Harbaugh's contract extension. You know, um, we'll get to it when the season ends. Well, officially the season ended on January 16th, because that was the day 
that um, Michigan, the Big Ten, Iowa announced that the ninth Big Ten game, the extra Big Ten game was not going to get played uh, because of, again, because of COVID issues. So technically, Justin, it's 25 days since that end of the season on, Jan- on, I'm sorry, December 16th, not January 16th, December 16th, that we have been sitting here waiting now. And you have heard every, every rationalized, like, BS, you know what, I can say it, bullshit excuse out there from no, numerous people who, I mean, they don't even speak for the program, and yet somehow they've, like, defi- decided that they're going to speak for Jim Harbaugh or they are going to, uh, they need to be, like, Jim Harbaugh's PR. And it was, the, it was going through the legal process. I mean, what a bunch of load of crap that is. The legal process? The legal process? Well, we've been back for more than a week now. Uh, and what's this legal process? I mean, Steve Sarkeesian got named the uh, head coach at Texas while he was still at Alabama. And it happened in like a matter of four hours. Like they got Josh Gaddis last year in a matter of hours. Like no, there's no such thing as the legal process. If an attorney needs to like work on a Saturday to process Jim Harbaugh's contract extension, guess what? He's going to work <laughs> on Saturday to get that job done. Well, it's also about, well, they wanted to have a big announcement. So hold on a second. This is the program that doesn't announce anything. And yet everybody wanted us to buy this, this, this bullshit that they wanted to have this huge announcement where they were going to announce that Jim Harbaugh signed a contract extension the same time that they announced Joe Moorhead was the offensive coordinator and they announced Derek Mason was the defensive coordinator. Like that's not Jim Harbaugh's style at all to have this big grandiose announcement. And yet somehow people believe that crap. And then now there's this like, well, he's negotiating for his assistant coaches. He's using the leverage of the NFL. He's just using the leverage of the NFL. It's not that he actually wants to go to the NFL. It's just that he's using that leverage. Like, I mean, again, how stupid are people that they keep on believing these things to rationalize it? No, it comes down to this, folks. Jim Harbaugh does not necessarily want to be at Michigan. And Ward Manuel and Michigan's administration doesn't necessarily want Jim Harbaugh to be at Michigan. And yet everybody's kind of sitting around waiting, hoping that somehow an NFL team will reach down from heaven and pluck Jim Harbaugh on the shoulder and say, Jim, we want you to be the head coach of the, San, or the Los Angeles Chargers or the New York Jets. And that solves everybody's problem. Jim Harbaugh can leave gracefully saying, I left for another opportunity in the NFL. Michigan doesn't have to fire him. Hopefully they don't have to pay his buyout then. And they don't have to pay you know, $15 million between Jim Harbaugh and another coach. Like, Let's be smart about what is going on here. He's holding out for this. Michigan's holding out for this. And as long as there's an opportunity to still get an NFL job, whether it's with the Chargers or the Jets, we're going to be waiting till that day, till that day comes where one of those two, or those two teams are filled. And Justin, let me tell you this. I was talking about this with a couple of uh, fellow reporters today, a couple of my friends, and Brandon Brown said this to me. He's like, what are the chances that as soon as the Jets and the Chargers jobs are announced, that Michigan announces that Jim Harbaugh signed his extension? I think, they, I, I think it'll happen within 24 hours. Because that'll be his, that, his opportunity for the NFL is gone and Michigan is stuck with him. Yeah, and, and he's stuck with Michigan, right? And so it's, it's this thing where it seems like neither side really wants to be with each other, but they feel like still they're both – they're each other's best opportunity if, if other things don't work out. It's like, okay, 
I, I don't know. It's it's like this it's like this weird breakup where both both parties both you know the girlfriend and the boyfriend both want to uh, to break up, but they don't want to tell each other that they want to break up. Hmm. So they just kind of ghost each other and just kind of don't do anything about it, or just or they go through the motions until one of the one of them is like finally done with it. And so it's just this odd thing. I I don't get it, and it's just making Michigan look really bad and in a bad light for the rest of the country um, especially after the season that Michigan had this year and on top of it Michigan fans have to deal with this bullshit that you called it and it is and then guess what they're gonna have to watch Ohio State in the freaking national championship so this is you know when you're talking about the trajectory of two programs one's going really really well in Ohio State and one Nobody even knows where they're at. That's how low they are. Well, and, and look, I mean, you know, is this related necessarily to Jim Harbaugh? I'm not going to say that for certain, but one of the things that Michigan desperately needs is defensive tackle uh, help for next year. And, you know, a name that was very popular, Antonio Shelton, transferring from Penn State, well, he announced that he's going to Florida. Would Michigan have had a great opportunity if they had their coaching situation settled? Probably, but he's going to Florida. You know, Derek Mason, the highly acclaimed defensive coordinator uh, who was fired as a head coach at Vanderbilt, is going to Auburn. Like, you know, you've got to be getting a jump on these things. And again, one of the arguments is, well, he's working really hard to build his staff behind the scenes. I mean, you know, like what plausible – like. It was legal. It was. Uh, how do uh, we know? How do we know that he's that he's doing that? You don't. There, there's you zero don't. evidence of that. No, no. There's there's no evidence. So I don't buy all this stuff. Like I've been told repeatedly that this was about the NFL, and that is why nothing has been done yet. Is because there's still a couple of opportunities out there, and while he's not on the short list, it's always possible that he still gets on this list, um, especially for the Chargers. That's the one that he he and the you know I. I, I from what I've been told, that's the one that he and the family really want is the opportunity to move to Southern California. Uh, and so that's what we're waiting for, folks. And that means that what I said a week ago, Justin, and I actually was not sure if I wanted to use the term, but I ended up using it. And now I've, I feel like it 100%. Michigan is the fallback, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not Jim Harbaugh's preferred destination. It's not his dream place anymore. It's a fallback. He is only going to sign at Michigan if he doesn't end up in the NFL. That's where you are right now. That's your, that's your coach. And, you know, I'm going to bring up something else here too, Justin, and I don't want to give away um, too much information on this, but I've seen the DMs and I've seen the screenshots of text messages now uh, between someone I know and a number of players on the team. And a number of, there's some guys, there are some guys, I'm not going to say everybody, there are some guys who have said like, oh yeah, I've talked to Coach Harbaugh. Oh, I've talked to my position coach. But there is a good number of players that have not talked to anybody, any coach, any, not Jim Harbaugh, not their position coach, not their strength and conditioning coach, and not the nutritionist in three and a half weeks. Like, how <laughs> is that? Like, this is the off season. This is when you get yourself prepared, your team ready for, net, for 2021. And you've got players who have no idea what they're supposed to be doing in terms of lifting, no idea what they're supposed to be doing in terms of nutrition, and no idea what they're supposed to be doing in terms of like preparing themselves for their position. And this is a time in college football history 
where the transfer portal is easy, easier accessible than ever before. Right. And so what's going to hold these guys back if they don't feel like they're connected to their coaches or they don't know what's going to happen with Michigan, what's holding them back from hitting the transfer portal. I'm actually pretty surprised. We have not seen more of that yet from Michigan uh, players. And it's just, uh, it's one of those things where it's, there are more transfers than ever before. And so I think I would think that after two and four season, after, you know, uncertainty with the coaching staff and everything else that's going on with Michigan, that they would be doing whatever they can to be getting a hold of these kids to make sure they aren't hitting the transfer portal. And it sounds like that's not what's happening. And it just kind of blows my mind. Uh, what, what I would have expected is maybe, you know, from December 16th, that day that you said that the season was over through maybe Christmas, that and, and maybe we'll give them the new year that just just for you know for holidays sake but I would give them that to say all right everybody go take a breather go with your families go do whatever you want we'll reconvene after the new year well now it's it's January 7th and you know nobody's heard anything and it's it, it's been a long time like you said it's 25 days I doubt that in a normal year any player goes 25 days without hearing from their position coach of in any month of the year, any month. So I, I just, I don't know. What's their plan? Who, is there anything being said from Harbaugh on down? Is he, does he have uh, contacts with his uh, coaches that he is keeping? Um, you know, cause it seemed like during signing day, him and Gaddis were like all over it. Right. Especially on the offensive side of the ball. And then, since then, we haven't heard anything from any of them, even through, through FaceTimes with, with recruits or players or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it, it's just one, one more of those things that it's like, it's unexplainable. Yeah, it, I mean, it is. And, I, you know, again, I, I kind of said, like, I'm not going to lose my, my cool about it. I, I guess I'm, I'm more – I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. It's just utterly ridiculous. I mean, it, you're, you're essentially, you know, people say like, well, he is the football coach right now. He does have a one year left on his contract. Like, again, like that's your straw man argument that he has a one year left on his contract. I, I just, this is a bumbling, fumbling, you know, it's crazy because we're going to talk basketball in a second. And as good of a job as Ward Manuel did um, getting Juwan Howard, which turn, looks like one of the great coups and, and he's going to be able to hang his hat. Like, that's going to help define Ward Manuel's legacy. But this is the other side of the legacy is what's happening in football. And actually, football is always going to take the cake because it's football and because it brings in, you know, 80% of the, the athletic department revenue. And, like, what's happening under his watch is, is you have a lame duck head coach. You have a guy who doesn't necessarily want to be here, who who's just gets to call the shots because uh, his name is Jim Harbaugh. Uh, you have a guy who is underperformed. Um, in every measurable category uh, that Michigan prides themselves on, conference championships, victories over Ohio State, victories, all-time wins, um, you know, not really national championships, but it does boast, like, winning percentage. It boasts about all those other things. This is a guy winning at 69% of his game so far, okay? You know, like, Michigan boasts about having, like, the, I think it's 720, or at least it was uh, until, like, a year or two ago, like, that's what they boast about the all time greatest winning percentage. This guy's dragging that down. He's dragging down the Ohio state rivalry. 
He's not helping with Big Ten championships. Like, this is Ward Manuel's legacy, too. And he looks like the fool right now. And you know what? Maybe, as I said in, my, in our last podcast, like, maybe it's all about the money thing. Like, he just doesn't want to spend $10 million on this buyout. And he's like, well, I just got to wait. I just got to wait. I just got to wait. But you know what you're, you're looking like in, in, in the meantime? You look like someone who, and maybe this is where Michigan is, but, like, you just don't care about football as much. Like, you don't care – like, this would never happen at Ohio State. I don't know that this would happen at Penn State, to be honest with you, because I, it, it just it boggles the mind that we're sitting here waiting and waiting and waiting until an NFL team uh, throws the cast out and there's a little worm and Jim Harbaugh grabs it and they pull him out and they're like, hey, look at the big fish I got here. Like, that's what we're literally waiting for is someone to take Jim Harbaugh off Michigan's hands. I'm sorry, but there's only one word to describe that. Pathetic. Yeah. And, and I, I struggle, you know, I, I don't want to continually be negative about this, about Michigan, about this whole situation. And I've been talking to some other people, whether it be on Twitter or friends or whatever else. And they're like, things aren't that bad, right? Like we should have some positivity. They probably do have a lot of things figured out behind the scenes, you know, behind the scenes, it's probably not as bad as it looks like on the surface. I understand that, but We've talked about it in terms of PR, which PR to fans in a, in a situation in a program that is as locked down as Michigan is, that is as, as little, has as little transparency as Michigan has, then your PR to the rest of the fan base in the country is all you have right? This is, this is how recruits are seeing you, whether they may hear things from the inside from coaches. Obviously, they have coaches talking to them, but there's still a perception of what the university, what the program, the football program is from the outside, and this is what we all see. So we, I've talked about it with friends, which is sad, but the next generation of fans and recruits and, you know, the, think about it, an 18-year-old recruit that was born in 2002, has the last uh, Big Ten football championship for Michigan was in 2004. So they were two years old. So the fact that we are, you know, Michigan is now showing, that's a sad fact, first of all. But the fact that Michigan is now, you know, this dumpster fire to, uh, or, or that's the perception, it doesn't help any of that because they don't have the backing of this winning culture that, that you just mentioned and the winningest team. That is to, the, the 50 and 60 and 70 year olds out there. Um, but to these youngsters, it's not. And so when they see the Michigan getting boat raced by Ohio state every year, every year, and then they also have this type of a situation going on, it's not going to help recruiting in any matter in any way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm just waiting for day 36 of the hostage crisis from John Bacon tomorrow. So <laughs> I mean, that's, again, you know what, some people that listen might say like, hey, you know, social media isn't everything. I agree with you. Um, and maybe some fans aren't aware of, of what's taking place. And they're just like, hey, I'll pay attention when I'm supposed to pay attention. And that's not on January 7th. That's totally good. But, you know, there's a lot of things that if this program is going to be turned around by Jim Harbaugh, there's a lot of things that need to take place in the next couple of months prior to spring practice and then obviously at spring practice to make it so 
And if he's not going to be the guy who leads Michigan football, then they need to go out and get the next head coach and the guy who can do all those things. And instead we're all just kind of like, it's like, if you're, you know, you got that plane and you got to go take off and you got to get to your next destination. And instead you're just stuck behind like 50 other planes. We're just in a holding pattern here, folks. And so nothing is getting accomplished that needs to be getting accomplished. You're not rebuilding team culture. Um, you know, if, if he pulls off a, a miracle here and there's like this huge announcement of Joe Moorhead and I don't even know who the defensive coordinator would be at this point because like the biggest names are off the board. Um, maybe there's another Don Brown, who knows. But uh, until that day happens, what it looks like is it just looks like Michigan is stuck in the mud doing nothing. And that is the exact opposite, opposite of what this basketball team is doing. And Justin, let's just go there because I'm done talking about football. <laughs> Um, I, I am too. I am too. It was, it, you know, one more thing. I I was kind of uh, laughing because uh, one of the guys that I do some YouTube stuff with, um, he asked, he DM me. He's like, I know there isn't an extension, but do you have like something for me that we could do a segment? And I'm like, Yeah, I have the same exact thing I could say to you that I've said for the past month. So if you want me to do that, we can. But um, so I was kind of laughing at that. But yeah, this basketball team. I mean, holy cow. Is this so incredibly just fun to watch? Oh, my God. I was having a blast last night watching this basketball team. It's like, uh, I, I don't, they do everything right. There, there really isn't one thing that they're doing wrong right now. Well, their, their defense is better than I think anybody really expected. Um, you know, the length that they have with Shonday Brown, with uh, Isaiah Livers, uh, and Franz Wagner to play the two, the three, uh, the four, when you throw Brandon Johns in there. I mean, they can frustrate just about any offensive player. And yesterday we saw it. Uh, Wednesday night we saw it with Marcus Carr, the, the great uh, guard for, for Minnesota, who's been one of the hottest players in the Big Ten. And who did he get matched up with? Um, Eli Brooks, who, you know, I really like what Eli Brooks can do offensively. We talked about, you know, the consistency at the three-point line when the thunderous dunks that he's had. But I really, the last year and a half, he's been Michigan's best defensor, defender. And he's been, he frustrated the heck out of Marcus Carr on Wednesday night. But then he got hurt. He got banged up. And they put Shonday Brown, I believe, on Marcus Carr. And it was like lockdown. Like Shonday Brown brings an energy and a level of intensity um, to the defensive side and the offensive side. We saw the, the great play he made uh, on Wednesday night where he chased down a loose ball. It was just going to be a backcourt violation. He picked it up and went in for a dunk. Like, we, we've bragged about, we've boasted about these two transfers, Mike Smith and Shonday Brown. I mean, they are exceptional components for this team. But the length, you got Hunter Dickinson down low who's providing, uh, you know, great defensive play and stout rebounding. Um, and then the guards out front, uh, like I said, Eli Brooks and Mike Smith are just ball. I mean, just getting after these guys. Like the defense is so good right now, Justin. And I tell you what, I'm more excited. I think about the defense and watching them on that side of the floor than I am in the offense, which is saying something because their offense is like lights out right now. Seventh in the country in effective uh, field goal percentage. Um, they rank sixth overall in adjustment efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Uh, on offense. So that means like they're the sixth best offense in college basketball. And according to Ken Palm, they're the 18th best defense in college basketball. <laughs> Those stats are, are amazing. It, it truly is. I mean, I, when we talked about this team before the season, I think that we said that we thought they were going to be around fifth in the big 10. Right. And maybe they end up fifth in the big 10 because they still, like we said uh, earlier this week, 
there's still a gauntlet to go through with the rest of the Big Ten, and they will have, I'm sure, a stretch where they don't play as well as right now. Um, but still, they have outshined every expectation. Uh, I saw a stat that gave uh, Michigan a 7% chance to go 10-0. and 0. If you were looking at it from the beginning of the season, uh, it was a 7% chance, and here we are, 10-0, and 0, and they look like – they really do look like the best team in the Big Ten. Um, unfortunately, the game on Saturday is canceled with Penn State, but uh, the next game they have is going to be against Wisconsin. It'll be uh, – it's kind of funny. I saw people say, well, Wisconsin will be their first real test. It's like, wait a minute. Minnesota was, was going to be a real test until they beat them by 25. Uh, Maryland was going to be a test until they beat them by – I don't even remember what it was. You know, it's like they, they've just – just boat race they've they've played so well that these don't look like great teams when these teams come to play Michigan but when these teams have played everyone else in the Big Ten they've played really well and and showed that they're top teams in the Big Ten so it's pretty incredible what what they've been able to do I mean last night Mike Franz Wagner who we were kind of down on if if you rewind to two weeks ago we were like you know what is he not going to turn this corner in his sophomore Mm -hmm. year is he really going to struggle at the three-point line again and not you know not make a huge difference here he was plus 37 in his time on the floor last night oh my god i didn't realize that that's incredible Plus 37 oh, is an absolutely wild stat. I don't know how many – that's got to be the highest of anybody, you know, in the country, I would imagine, for a conference game this year. Yeah, that's I, – I had not seen that. That's, uh, that's rather remarkable. And, I, and, again, he's one of those players along with uh, Livers uh, and Shonda Brown that just can provide so many different looks for you um, on both ends of the floor. Uh, you know, he wasn't the MVP yesterday. That was Hunter Dickinson, who we'll get to in a minute here. But – uh, you know, Justin, you, you, you said it because I've seen a couple of people try to qualify Michigan's start here and like, oh, well, they haven't played the, the, the greatest schedule or something like that. You know, and a little bit like you look at them like, OK, well, I mean, they did. I'm going to give them credit. They just beat two top 25 teams in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maryland was a, was a team playing well also. And like I went back and looked like Maryland right before they played Michigan had just beat, uh, you know, number four, Wisconsin in Madison. Now, again, the Kohl Center is not like what it would normally would be when there's fans in there, but they had gone on the road and they just beat Wisconsin. People were talking about them uh, as a, as a hot team. And all of a sudden Michigan just stopped Maryland. Well, then they played Northwestern who had won three out of four before they played Michigan, including uh, dismantling of Michigan state uh, and a big win over Indiana and Ohio state. What does Michigan do? stomps them 85 to 66 then they play minnesota who's ever to talk about how one of the hottest teams in the big 10 you know they had won three other previous four uh including blowouts of michigan state and ohio state um and a double i don't know i'm sorry an overtime win over iowa who's considered the best team in the big 10 and what does michigan do beats them by 25 and at some points was up by like what 38 or something like that in that game last night so you know, they're playing teams that are playing good basketball at the moment that they're playing Michigan and they're just, Michigan's just destroying them. So I'll be very curious to see what happens when they play Wisconsin uh, on January 12th. That's in Michigan's next game. Cause as you said, uh, the game against Penn state got, uh, got postponed. So, um, or I guess canceled. They're not going to, I don't think they're good planning on at the moment of making it up. Um, but no, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I was texting with my brother yesterday, texting with uh, a couple of my friends, uh, texting with Jordan Morgan, 
uh, yesterday who was in Russia. And I, you know, I think he was up, uh, you know, trying to catch, catch some highlights uh, as soon as possible. I mean, it's, it's been a blast to watch this, uh, this Michigan basketball team. So Justin, let's, let's take a quick break and when we come back. We're going to play hyperbole or not, or truth, I guess, or how much hyperbole. I guess we didn't come up with a great name for it. We'll just play hyperbole um, when it comes to this Michigan basketball team. But I do want to give a shout out to uh, our great sponsors, Justin, uh, Kapnick Insurance Group and Frankenmuth Insurance, who are our lead sponsors. Uh, and, you know, so excited to work with uh, Kapnick Insurance Group, um, really a company that cares. Uh, you, know, you know, it's interesting. I was in a meeting this week and they're all about like, remember who our most important priority is and remember who is our number one person. And that is our clients. Those are our, the people that um, are ultimately buying insurance. They are not the insurance companies. We don't work for the insurance companies. We're not out to uh, raise premiums and raise commissions. Uh, we are taking care of each of the individuals. We're taking care of Justin Rowe and Jacqueline Crummy. We're taking care of, uh, you know, Amy Spath. We're taking care of, uh, you know, each of you individuals to make sure that you and if you own a business, your business are taken care of and not the insurance companies. Um, you know, we don't work for, uh, we're a broker. So we don't work for State Farm or Allstate or Liberty Mutual or any, like any of the insurance, AAA. We, we don't work for them. We work for you, uh, which I think is a, a, a big difference and something that I really like about this company. Uh, shout out to uh, Weber's Hotel and Restaurant. Staying there next Monday, workday getaway. Can't wait to take a, take advantage of it. Got, you know what? I've got to have some drinks with someone on on Monday, Justin. And you can't. You really can't. I mean, you're kind of stuck. Like you can't do that uh, unless you want to sit outside. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but I think it's supposed to be like 29 degrees on on Monday. I don't want to sit outside. And so our friends at Weber's, you know, kind of have a way to. It's a it's a it's a way to enjoy some drinks with someone. And what you do is you have to have drinks in your room, right? So you, you, you have, um, not carry out, you have a dining service, you have a, um, what's the name of the term? I can't think of it. When you have it delivered to your door. Room service. Room service. Thank you. You have there room you service. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. You have room service delivered to your door. Uh, and actually what's really cool about uh, Weber's and I know you stayed there. That's where you and uh, Jacqueline got engaged is you can get a poolside room and so you have a little balcony out there. And so you can, you know, you can keep six feet apart on the balcony you can overlook the pool overlook the atrium so that's where we're going to have drinks uh i've got a potential client to meet with on monday so i'm really looking forward to that so that's webbers arbor.com all right justin hyperbole game i don't think we again we did you come up with a good name in that two minutes i was doing I, our, our sponsors i did not but i like hyperbole or not that's pretty good. okay okay so why don't you why don't i start with the first hyperbole because i just spoke for like three minutes straight there and i, I want to hear from you uh, so let's start with this one. Michigan is the best team in the Big Ten. No, you know what? Let's not even go there. Let's just go a little bit higher. Michigan is one of the top five teams in college basketball. Oh, wow. All right. Now you're raising the bar. Right now, yes, I believe they are. I don't think that's hyperbole. They, they are playing like they, they can beat anybody in the country. I don't think anybody is out there. Uh, that can say, oh, no, they're, they're going to, you know, beat Michigan off by 20 or something like that. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's been a, uh, you know, the last couple games have really showed what Michigan can do. And the one thing that makes me think that is what we've talked about continually is the versatility of this team. 
they can uh, the the way that Juwan Howard and you asked me this question about uh, the roster and the the lineup where Brandon you know where does Brandon Johns fit in this does he get ten minutes a game does he get fifteen whatever but the way that Juwan Howard has managed this lineup to play to his strengths against uh, the opponent and play to his matchups I think that they can play with just about anybody uh, the way that Hunter Dickinson has come into this role. Who's going to stop Hunter Dickinson? I mean, the only the only team that I think is going to come in at this point and really have an impact on on Hunter is Iowa with Luca Garza, and I still think that'll be both of them going for thirty, you know, something like that. So uh, it, it's just one of these uh, one of these situations where Michigan is playing out of their minds right now, um, and and I don't know who's going to stop them at this point. And the versatility and the the depth of this team makes them so uh, so dangerous it, it, with anybody on the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, I don't think they're getting enough respect nationally. Um, heck, I, I went on cbssports.com, uh, the front page. Not only the front page, but then I also went to the specific basketball, college basketball page uh, when, I, when I woke up this morning, and neither one of them had Michigan on the front page. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, they just blew out Minnesota, a top 20 team, um, they killed them. Like they absolutely killed them. And what did they have yesterday at one point, there was like a 40 to five run. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no love for Michigan. And so I don't know what's going to take. I mean, you look at their upcoming schedule and they've got Wisconsin on Tuesday, uh, which is an obviously a monumental game. And then they play Minnesota, Maryland, uh, Purdue, Indiana. I mean, they've got a lot of games before they get to Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa again, um, which is a couple of things. If they can get past Wisconsin, uh, I mean, they could be staring at something like 15-0, and 0, um, possibly, okay? But, yeah, when I'm looking at it, like, depending on what's, what net rankings you use or, or Ken Palm is what I'm a big fan of, like, you look at who else is up there, and I don't, I'm not going to put them in Gonzaga and probably not Baylor's league yet. But after that, like, tell me, who deserves – who is the number three team in college basketball? And I think you can make the case that Michigan – at least has an argument to be the number three team in college basketball right now. And so that leads me to my next hyperbole question. Again, does that mean that they are the number three? No, but there's some in that mix of like four or five, maybe six teams that are in that number that are, that could be the third best team in college basketball. So I'm saying, yes, they're a top five team, which takes us to hyperbole or not. Michigan is legit final four and national champion contender. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves now because I think that the the one part about uh, college basketball is you never know what happens throughout a season, and it's a long season, right? And so um, I'm going to I, I I don't I don't think that they don't, but I don't want to go there yet because they're playing great right now. But there has been a lot of times, and last year was one of them where. Uh, you know, not only just Michigan, but teams in general have ebbs and flows in their season, right? And right now Michigan is on the up and up, but there may be a time where they all of a sudden go into a, a, a rut and they're not hitting their shots or anything like that. But the, the one thing that I've talked about before and you have as well on this podcast is that this team's depth and versatility, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep saying it, Mike, because it really is the key to everything, is, uh, you know, for March, they're perfectly set up for March because when one guy uh, isn't having a great game, the next guy steps up. And so uh, when you're playing, you know, maybe two games in two days, uh, like, like what happens in the Big Ten tournament and in March, um, they really have the, the formula to win uh, in the postseason. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I've said this repeatedly when I when I when I talk about the NCAA tournament is if you're a team like Michigan right now, your expectation, your your floor is the Sweet 16. Okay. The first two rounds, you're going to be in a 314 or a 215 matchup. You're going to be heavily favored. You're going to be favored again in your second round matchup. And so for me, I always say this about the NCAA tournament is that I want to get to the second of the second weekend. You get to the second weekend and now things start to get murkier because now you can be playing a team that is, uh, is, has been upsetting teams or is also a top four seed that is one of the best teams in college basketball. They're playing super well. And so, and where are you traveling to? And what's, I mean, there's all these other factors going on. So for me, it's like, if you're a top, you know, 15, 20 team in college basketball, you have to get to the sweet 16. If you get to the sweet 16, then, okay. Then anything is pop- like, I don't, I don't get mad if teams don't like if, if you're Duke or you're Kansas, I understand those expectations are crazy high and I understand they're going to be high for Michigan this year, but I mean, it's why they call it March madness and it starts getting ridiculous. And so I'm not going to say like, if they don't get to the final four. Like I'm going to be totally upset with this team or this is like a, a lost season. Could they get to the, the final four? Absolutely. With their versatility, with how many different guys can score the basketball, with the fact that you have someone like Hunter Dickinson who kind of makes you drought proof uh, and with the defense that they are capable of playing and they've, they've shown that they're capable of playing, this is a final four team. What I'm curious about, Justin, and what I think is probably the only area that makes me, I don't even want to say nervous, but Mike Smith has been so critically important to this team handling you know, what percentage of minutes is, is he getting right now uh, at the point guard spot? He's getting 80% of the minutes. Wow. Okay. 14% of the minutes are going to Eli Brooks. And I assume like the other, you know, 5% are going to Zeb Jackson. So if Mike Smith gets hurt, you would have a situation where now Eli Brooks is your point guard. Zeb Jackson's your backup. Maybe that's fine. But Eli is so comfortable in the two, two guard role. Like, that's the only thing. Like, I think everything else, like, Shonday Brown can play the two, the three. Uh, Liverage can play the three, the four. Franz can play the three, the four. Terrence Williams can play the two, three, four. Hunter Dickinson can play the, uh, is playing the five. Brandon Johns can play the four. Like, there's so much versatility. I just don't know about the depth at point guard. But you know what? As I say that, Justin, like, how many teams in college basketball right now, if you took one of their starters off the floor, if you took their point guard off the floor, who is usually one of their best players, and you said, like, okay, we're taking your point guard off the floor for, you know, a, a length of time, how good are you? Like, most teams are not going to be that good if you take away their, their right. best point guard, you know? Like, so is it that big of a deal? No. I still think this is a Final Four – or a capable of a Final Four team. If they don't get there, am I pissed? No. But I want them to get to at least the Sweet 16 – and hopefully beyond that. And honestly, we were able to see a little bit more of Zeb Jackson last night because he came in at like the 10 and a half minute mark uh, when Michigan, I believe, was up by like 37 points at that point. Um, Zeb Jackson is legit. He mm-hmm. looks smooth and good for a freshman who has not played much at all. Um, so honestly, I, I understand the concern if Mike Smith were to, to um, go down or anything. But I do think that Juwan Howard put him in before anybody else uh, yesterday uh, and gave him eight. He got eight minutes last night. And so um, I think that he'd be uh, he would be able to probably step in, given a little bit of time and a little bit of experience. Juwan Howard seems very, um, very confident in him. 
So, all right, I will, uh, I'll give you one here. So we talked about how we kind of laughed at the announcer or commentator who said that Hunter Dick- Dickinson could possibly be a one and done. Mm-hmm. We are 10 games into the season. He just put up a 28-point performance, to, uh, 12 for 15 from the field, 4 for 4 from the free throw line. Is Hunter Dickinson a possible uh, one and done at this point? I, I don't think it's hyperbole. And I had this debate with uh, Brandon Brown because he was saying his skill set, you know, he doesn't shoot the three-pointer and, like, that's a big thing for for fives in the NBA now. But his skill set, I mean, he can hit pretty much every shot on the floor. We haven't seen him take the threes. Um, but, you know, he, we've seen him step out from 15 feet away and hit it. And plus, he is so automatic near the uh, the basket um, that that's a skill set that translates to the NBA. I, I know there's not a lot of Shaquille O'Neal's, Patrick Ewing types, Akeem Olajuwon still in the NBA, but he, he's a guy. He's a guy with with uh, athleticism. He's a guy that understands you know the the high IQ and stuff like that. Like he's gonna make he makes Michigan really good right now, and he's gonna make an NBA team. He's gonna make the guys around him really good right now. I hope he's not a one and done. Um, you know, I, I guess like on uh, on ninety seven one. Uh, I think it must have been the Carson Anderson show, according to my father-in-law. Like, they were talking about one of the – I don't know if it was Carson or Gator, but they said that, like, they're betting that he's one of the top five picks. Now, now maybe – I mean, again, I'm hearing this secondhand. I didn't hear it. Like, leg- I didn't hear it myself. This is what my father-in-law said to me. Like, I was like, no like no way is that is that right. And they're talking about it for 2021. And I was like, ah, oh, God, I really I really hope that's uh, that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, I want to see this guy play two. I want to see this guy play three years. Like, I think that's the kind of legacy that he could leave at Michigan if he sticks around for at least two, but maybe even for three. But could he be one and done? Yeah, I think he could be. I think he could be. I think some there's going to be some NFL, our NFL, NBA general managers just drooling over, you know, hey, guys, look at this guy's skill set, and we put another 15, 20 pounds of muscle on him. But I'm kind of fingers crossed here, Justin. I don't know about you that he's going to stick around for at least two years in a Michigan uniform. Yeah, um, I agree. But I'm also seeing the the Mitch McGarry type of run that Mitch had, you know, back in the NCAA tournament. And so we're only 10 games into the season. Um, and I, I imagine, you know, let's be honest, Michigan has not been on the big stage. They haven't been in primetime on – uh, you know, ESPN Saturday night or anything like that. So once we get into playing uh, Michigan State and you go into the Big Ten tournament and then you're playing in March and he's on prime time on CBS in March and everyone's watching him go for 28 points or if he has those types of games, that draft stock goes up really, really quickly. Uh, so I understand it. I'm I'm with you, man. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed that he stays another year, but it's uh, it's it's he's going to have to go through some type of stretch or something where he shows some weaknesses because right now he's playing well on both ends of the floor. He, he shut down, uh, he shut down every center that's come across him. So uh, we'll see what happens when he goes against Luca Garza at some point. Uh, But yeah, it's just, it's just been, uh, you know, it's been unbelievable to watch him go, go through these first 10 games. So I'll stay in the, uh, I'll give you one more here. I'll stay in the, uh, in the draft uh, type here. Franz Wagner had, had not played like, uh, like anything in the first couple games, but now he's playing well. Is Franz Wagner now playing like a first round draft pick? Absolutely. That's the easiest one. Easiest one because his, his length, 
his ability to handle the ball, his ability to do so many different things defensively, whether it's steals, rebounds, blocks, um, you know, for a guy 6'9", 220 pounds. I mean, he's averaged in double figures. He's had double figures in his last four games. He's shot better from the three. Yesterday he was two of three from behind the arc. Um, 100%. I mean, I, you know, everybody kind of said when he came in that he was a better overall prospect than his, uh, his brother because he can handle the rock a little bit better. You know, is he going to be a, a – is he as capable handling the ball as, like, a lot of threes in the NBA? Probably not, but like, you know what? There's really talented threes in college basketball and no one's taking the ball away from him. No one's just like swap, um, stealing it from him, knocking it loose or something like that. Like he knows how to use his body to shield the defender. There's no doubt in my mind that he, if he were to come out at this point with where he is on the rise, that he would be a first round pick. You agree? I do agree. It, I think he's showing NBA GMs that he can do it all over the floor. Like you said, he, you know, he's now getting those blocks on the defensive end. You can put him on the, the other team's best three or four at this point. He even, I, I believe I said this the other, uh, in our last podcast, he, he can defend and block a center at the rim. The one block, I believe it was, it was against uh, Northwestern, if I, if I have that right. He, he went and met their center at the rim, and he was a foot and a half above the rim blocking that ball. So it, it's really been incredible to, to watch him uh, go. And I think that they're seeing that he can do it all. And he's only going to get better, obviously. So I, I totally agree. All right, last one here for you, Justin. This is a football basketball slash one. Um, hyperbole or not, Juwan Howard – and Michigan basketball will win a national championship before Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football win a big 10 title. Oh, absolutely. There's the chances of, of Jim Harbaugh right now winning a big 10 title with Ohio state playing the way that they are have to be less than 5%. So the fact that the Michigan is 10 and 0 right now and has the number one class coming in 2021, and then we'll probably have a top five class beyond that as well. I imagine he's going to keep recruiting the way he is. That this is that's no doubt. I I don't think there's even an argument there, honestly. And the, it's also something with the way that uh, March is set up. You know, March Madness in the NCAA tournament. I believe it is easier. I don't want to say easier to win a national title, but anything can happen more in uh in march than it can happen in a in a college football season but I, if you don't have more confidence in juan howard right now than in jim harbaugh i don't know what games you're watching yeah i'm right there with you man i mean I, i'll i'm gonna admit you know i've said this repeatedly i don't mind admitting when i'm wrong and i had such serious reservations when juan howard was hired to be michigan's coach i didn't even know about the recruiting thing because he had never really done it before right he'd been an assistant coach um, in the NBA, everybody talked about how he'll immediately connect with kids and uh, how he'll be an elite recruiter and the whole thing. But I mean, like when you've never done it, like that, you just don't drop uh, out of the sky and you're you're you know superb recruiter. Well, guess what? He is. Uh, and then the you know the I serious questions about him running a, a team, um, about him like in terms of in-game strategy, in terms of him preparing a team. I mean, he had never done it before, but I tell you what, this is a good example of a coach who, um, you know, when you take the time and energy as an AD, as an administration, and you invest and say, okay, who is the next superstar? Who is the guy who, if we give him the right, the right um, job and the right resources 
and we, we surround him with support, like he is going to be amazing. And that's what they found in Juwan Howard. And that's why I always bristle at this today. Like, well, who's going to be better than Jim Harbaugh? Like, I understand football is a different entity than basketball and that basketball so much is about recruiting. Um, and you can only need to get four or five guys a class, sometimes less than that. But I am telling you that they can go out there if they invest the same type of energy and resources and they talk to the right people, they can go out there and all they've, it's not all they've got to do. This is hard to do, but they've got to find someone like Juwan Howard, someone who's going to be the next great coach. And right now, I know it's only a year and a half into his tenure, but Juwan Howard looks like he's going to be a mainstay in college basketball for a decade plus and looks like a guy who is going to, going to be able to give Michigan a chance to go toe-to-toe with the blue bloods of college basketball because of the way that he can recruit and what he has shown already as a guy who develops talent and a guy who uh, has game plans and strategy and gets the most out of his team. It is an awesome spot to be in right now to be a Michigan basketball fan. Absolutely. And the best part of it all for me watching uh, Juwan Howard be here at Michigan is you know that he loves the university. You know he loves the program. And honestly, he talked about this being his dream job. So we're not in in some point where he's going to probably use this to get to an NBA head coach. Maybe someday, kind of like John Beeline, at the end of his career, you know, like you said, five, anywhere from five to ten years down the road, maybe he says, "I actually, I think I'd like to try it out. I'd, I think that I've given everything I've got to Michigan. Maybe they win a national championship or some Big Ten titles, and and then he and then he takes a look at the NBA. But for right now, this is his destination spot." So he's not looking elsewhere. I bet you that there are going to be some NBA GMs coming to speak to him quite often here if they start winning more and more. Uh, but I believe he is, he is really in, uh, in it here at Michigan, and he doesn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I, I mean, it's just like, um, it's just like uh, Hunter Dickinson. I've yeah. got my fingers crossed. I am hoping so. (laughs) All right. Well, on that positive note, and we haven't had too many positives. They've all been on the basketball side, but hey, we're we're still pumped about this team. So uh, we'll have another podcast for you next week. Uh, Michigan plays at Wisconsin, I believe, on Wednesday again. So Tuesday, uh, I believe. Tuesday Tuesday? the twelfth. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. So uh, we have a weekend off from uh, from Michigan athletics here. I believe the women's team does play tonight, though. So hopefully they continue their success as well. Uh, Nas Hillman, I believe, was just uh, uh, named to the uh, Player of the Year watch for the uh, National Player of the Year watch. So thank you for listening. She should be the Big Ten without a doubt. She's the Big Ten Player of the Year, and maybe we'll see. Hopefully she's in the top five at the very least. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Michigan is a basketball school? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe. So uh, thank you for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Lewis Jewelers, Kaepernick Insurance, Weber's, hotel uh and wolverine brewing company uh thanks for listening and you can follow us at stadium main pod on twitter i am at justin row 92 mike is at michael spath ith uh and that'll be it follow us on twitter and we will talk to you next time this is the stadium and main podcast Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers.